Well, let's move on to our brand new series here, At the Movies. And so a question that Pastor Greg and I will get, the last time we did this was about four years ago, and the question we'll get is, why do we do this series? And to be completely honest with you, it's, 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 it's a fun series that allows us to kind of settle down before we kind of kick, um, kick the fall, and that's kind of like the beginning of, of our ministry season, and so it's a fun series for us. And we really enjoy good movies. Patrick and I, we really enjoy good movies. You see, any good movie, in my opinion, tells a great story. And great stories weave in deep truths that can make us laugh, that can make us cry, uh, because they speak into deep places of our lives. They speak to our identity. They speak to our purpose. They speak to our hopes. They even speak to our fears. Now, the most recent movie that made me bawl and made me laugh and made me, um, you know, spoken to these places was Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And so if you haven't seen that, go check it out. I literally, you know, pan a test. I was crying at particular scenes of that movie. Just a beautiful movie. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about Barbie. We're going to talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. That's happening next week. And then we're going to wrap things up with The Little Mermaid, the re remake of The Little Mermaid. These movies are the top box office movies this summer, and in each one, we'll take a look at a theme and explore the questions that they ask. And along the way, we're going to find truth from God that can speak into those deep places as well. And so like I mentioned earlier, we're going to kick things off with Barbie this morning. And so let's watch a quick trailer. If you've seen it, haven't seen it yet, just to get an idea what Barbie's about. So let's check out the trailer right here. All right. So Barbie is currently number one movie of the summer and number two of 20, the 2023 movie releases. Now, Barbie's also been one of the more controversial ones, too, attracting attention from all sorts of people. Some appreciate how the movie addresses issues like gender, identity, patriarchy, while others have called for a boycott. Some have even burned the dolls in protests, stating that, this based on a, that the movie's based on a woke agenda. Even before the movie, Barbie has been a polarizing cultural icon. According to Insider.com, Barbie's creator, Ruth Handler, wanted to give her daughter a doll that could aspire her to be more than what was available at that time. And so in the 1950s, women were primarily seen as mothers and caregivers, and so the majority of dolls were just babies. Uh, although Handler modeled the, doll, the, the, modeled the Barbie doll after a German doll which has provocative background, her desire was to ultimately create something for girls to look up to. Dolls that her daughter was playing with were one-dimensional, so they were just paper dolls, whereas her son had uh, uh, figures of astronauts and, and, um, and firefighters and policemen and all that sorts. And so her, her desire, Ruth Hannah's desire, again, was to give something to her daughter so that she, girls could look up to. And I think this idea of having something or someone to look up to is something that we can all relate to regardless of how we feel about Barbie. You see, you and I, we all have ambitions, we all have desires, and so I think we all model our lives after someone, maybe something that we deem better than us or maybe even perfect. And so the things that we're interested in, I think it's natural that we're always looking for whoever is excelling in that or whoever's at the highest point. 
We might draw inspiration from them to just simply become better. Again, for some of us, it might be a person who succeeded above and beyond in their life goals or careers. Uh, It might be something that embodies their characters that we want to have. And so again, we aspire to be like someone in our respective fields. We aspire to be like someone who we want to be. Sometimes the aspirations of, of, of becoming like somebody doesn't come from a place from desire. Maybe it's a place of expectation, like Peng had mentioned, and maybe some of us have experienced. Sometimes instead of looking up to someone because you want to, you look up to someone because you're expected to. You want, you're, you're expected to conform into, into, into this particular image. Maybe you want to do it, you, you do it because your parents tell you to do, to do it. But you do it maybe because society tells you to do it. And so again, we aspire or maybe we conform to attain these traits and characteristics because we believe that, again, whatever, whoever it is, that it will make us better. Regardless, we strive to be like others in our search to be better. Maybe it's even our search to be perfect. And this idea of perfection, this idea of seeking for what is perfect, is a theme that comes up throughout the entire movie, the Barbie movie. You see, Barbie, kind of like the trailer explained, Barbie lives in this perfect world. Every day is perfect. But then in the movie, something happens to disturb the perfection. So she seeks to solve the issue. And again, no spoilers will be given if you still want to go see the movie. I'm just giving you a really high idea what the movie's about. And so again, Barbie's looking for perfection. Now, ironically, Ken, who comes alongside Barbie in the process of helping Barbie solve the problem, Ken realizes that he is only an an, an accessory to Barbie. He only matters because Barbie matters. And so when he goes on this journey to seek perfection for Barbie, he realizes what he really is, which causes him to be conflicted with Barbie's idea of a perfect world. And so then he sets on his own journey of trying to figure out what is perfection for Ken. And then the actress, America Ferrer, who plays a a character in Gloria, she has a beautiful monologue towards the end of the movie that I think is worth the price of admission, describing the difficulties of how others expect women to be perfect without appearing to be perfect. And so while the movie does a wonderful job exploring questions of purpose, of identity, of ideals, it lacks in providing the answers. As I was doing some research for the series, uh, for this movie particular, I agree with an article uh, that Jen Oshman writes on the website Gospel Coalition. This is what she says. Uh, But whereas the movie falls short of giving clear answers to massive questions about life and gender, Christians should not. We know the God who made us and died to save us. We know what humans are made for. We know both men and women are very good and both men and women need each other. We have God's spirit and God's word to enable us to be on mission together. So this morning, I want to take a look at what God has to say about aspiring and striving to be perfect based on our own strategies strategies, or what the world tells us what perfection is. And so we're going to look at a couple passages of what the Bible says to show us what happened when uh, people in the Bible relied on their own aspirations and strategies. And so throughout the majority of the Old Testament, God leads his people. 
From the very beginning, from Adam and Eve to Abraham to Moses, God is constantly with his people. Uh, And even after that, God's with his people. But specifically, um, in 1 Samuel chapter 8, there comes a point where God's people, the Israelites, ask Samuel, and Samuel's one of God's prophets, they ask Samuel for a king. The Israelites complain that Samuel's way, which is essentially God's way, is just simply too old school for them. And that even Samuel's own sons don't follow Samuel's rules anymore. So Samuel responds to the request of wanting a king by praying to God. And God tells them that they want a king because God tells tells Samuel that that the Israelites want a king because they have rejected God. Samuel warns the Israelites that they, their aspirations to be perfect, their aspirations to be like the other nations, isn't going to be the right path for them. And this is how, um, and this is how they, the Israelites respond to Samuel when Samuel tells them that. This is, what, this is what they say. We want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Unfortunately, the line of kings that the Israelites wanted, many of them ended up being evil. They were a few that were good kings, and there were some that were good and then were evil, or were evil and then were good. But unfortunately, most of the kings that they wanted, their aspirations to be like other nations, their aspirations to be like other nations, to be ruling and, and, and conquering other nations, backfired, which eventually resulted in the destruction of their kingdom and also resulted in the exile of the people living in their kingdom. And so the Israelites' aspiration to be like other nations caused them to experience their own destruction. In another Old Testament passage, Isaiah describes how God blessed the Israelites, but the Israelites were disloyal to God and responded in rebellion by worshiping false gods and making sacrifices on strange altars. Instead of trusting God that he would make them right, they aspired to be right based on their very own efforts. And so Isaiah describes their efforts like this. In Isaiah chapter 64, this is what it says. How then, how then can we be saved? All of us have become like one, who, like one who is unclean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And so the Israelites were trying to do whatever they could by their own means, by their own aspirations, by what they saw around them, again, of trying to do righteous deeds. But Isaiah tells them that, again, they're like... They're like the one who is unclean, who all the righteous acts and all their effort, as great as their efforts were, without God, were like filthy rags. Now, it isn't clear at all in our English translation, but the words that are used in the original language to describe filthy rags, righteous acts as filthy rags, would be the equivalent of a used tampon. That's what, it was, that's what the language was suggesting. The Israelites' aspiration to be right were based on their own efforts, but unfortunately, all of their aspirations were meaningless. Might have even been wasteful, might have even been pointless, might have even been garbage that they were trying so hard by their own aspiration, by their own, um, by their own effort. So if it is up to us, if it isn't up to you and I, if it isn't up to be us to be right with God, who is responsible 
in verse 8 of Isaiah chapter 64, after, after Isaiah tells the people that their righteous acts are like filthy rags, this is what he says. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Isaiah goes to share with us that our aspirations will come up short, but we can trust God. I love in verse 8, he says, yet you are our father. So even in the midst of rebellion against God, even in the midst of believing that our own actions can make us right, but they are a filthy rag, yet you, God, in the midst of this, yet you, Lord, are our father. We can try to be like others, but if it isn't dependent on God, then it's meaningless. Isaiah then goes into this beautiful imagery and he refers to humanity as clay and refers to God the Father as the potter. Now clay is basically soil and rock, which is meaningless by itself. But when clay is given to a potter, the potter can mold clay into something meaningful, into something purposeful, into something beautiful. And Isaiah tells us that God molds us to be a work from his hands. And this reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2, which says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has, created us, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. You see, our own aspirations to be perfect, our own aspirations and desires to be right can make us feel like we are successful. But like the Barbie movie where as Ken goes on this journey to help Barbie, he realizes he has his own aspirations it leaves others impacted by it negatively. And drawing a parallel on much different scale, our aspirations of hoping to seek perfection for ourselves unfortunately replaces God's promise of perfection for all of us. And so as we seek perfection for ourselves, Sometimes we step on other people's toes because it impacts them negatively. But God's aspirations for us impacts all of us perfectly equally. And so instead of relying on our own aspiration, Paul tells us that our aspiration needs to be in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we experience what it means to be perfect. We experience what it means to be his masterpiece. In going back to Isaiah chapter 64, to experience what it means to be God's masterpiece, we have to be willing to be the clay and allow God to be the potter to mold us. So what does it mean to be clay? I think this image from John chapter 15 uh, paints it a little better for, le for at least me. And so uh, there's a similar image where we take on the nature of what or who we're associated. And so as we are the clay, and as I said before, as we are the clay, the nature is with clay, there's a potter. In John chapter 15, um, we're associated with Jesus, who's the vine, and we are the branches. And so this is the imagery from John chapter 15, that again, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches that are, are branching off from the vine. Repeatedly in John chapter 15, he tells his disciples to remain in him, to abide in him, to stay in him, because apart from him, 
we can do nothing. Clay without a potter can do nothing. A branch detached from the vine, detached from the source, can do nothing. And so if we remain in Jesus, who is the vine, the result is we serve our purpose as the branch and we get to grow fruit. A branch attached to a vine in a vineyard, in a vineyard is supposed to grow fruit. But if we don't remain in Jesus, if we don't remain attached to that life source, we end up withering and the result is a withering branch gets thrown into a fire. So what does it mean to remain in Jesus? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? What does it mean to stay in Jesus? In John chapter 15, verse 7, it tells us that it's to trust his words. This is what it says in John 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It also means that we keep his commands. And so in verse 10, this is what it says. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And what is Jesus' command? This is what it says in verse 12 of chapter 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. That's one of Jesus' part, one part of Jesus' greatest commandment, to love God and to love others. So this morning, let us not seek our own aspirations, our own desires. And we may do so in, 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 with great intentions that we want to be like somebody because they model something great. Even with the greatest intentions, may Jesus be the one that we aspire to be. May Jesus be the one that we are dependent to. May Jesus be the one that we turn to, knowing that God's promises are for us when we remain faithful in him and that he will bless us beyond our understanding of what perfection is, of what our aspiration desires are, that he will bless us beyond any of that. And so may we continue to depend on Jesus in that and not our own aspirations. Let me pray for us. God, this morning we've heard so many things about aspiring to be like others. We heard it in Pang's testimony. I'm sure we hear it coming up in our own stories as well too, Lord, of aspiring to be like somebody else. And sometimes we get caught in this situation where we live in someone's shadow. And as much as we do, we can't get out of it. Or as much as we aspire, if we don't experience living in shadow, as much as we aspire to be like someone or something, it never feels like it's enough. God, today we give up our aspirations, we give up our desires, we give up our hopes, even with the greatest of intentions, Lord. Because in Isaiah 64, you said that all our efforts in wanting to be right and wanting to be saved, all of our efforts even with the greatest intentions, are like filthy rags. Yet you, Lord, are our Father, and that you mold us into that perfection. You mold us into that masterpiece. So may we all be faithful, Lord, in our aspirations of our career, being a parent, being just maybe a simple good citizen of of society, being, being a child, being a student, 
being a follower of Christ, whatever it may be, Lord, may we not model it after our own desires. May we not model it after our own hope. But may we base it on your promises for us. And so help us, God, to remain in Jesus. Help us to keep his words. Help us to obey his commandments. Help us to love you and to love others, Lord. And in that, we trust that as we remain in you, that we will bear fruit and that you will turn us into the image of your perfection. God, if this morning, if any one of us are living in someone's shadow, Lord, that we feel like we can't get out of, or if we just feel overwhelmed by what we have to do to be perfect, Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask, would you remind us that nothing we can do can get us there, but it's only through Jesus Christ who can get us there. And so, Holy Spirit, would you whisper to us? Would you call us by name? Would you tell us that it isn't based on what we can do, but that we just simply have to let you lead, Lord? May all the shame, may all the guilt, may all the things, lies that tell us otherwise, Lord, may they vanish. And may you just remind us ever so gently, Lord, that you've got this. So we thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy that you pour onto us every day. We thank that you've got us covered, Lord. And allow us to be the masterpiece that you create us to be. We thank you. We pray and let this your name, Lord. Amen.